So let's speak to our next guest because Richmond have their practice game against Collingwood. It's the inaugural charity Shield and tickets are $10. goes towards making money for Food Bank. Looking forward to that one. And one of their key recruits at the Tigers is our next guest, Jacob Kaczynski. He joins us. Jacob, thanks for your time. G'day, Jared. G'day, Kane. Thanks for having me on. Well, I mean, what's it like? You had a busy off-season. There was toing and froing about the trade. In the end, there was an opportunity for you to join the Tigers. You left, I think, with, with Hawthorne's blessing and you found yourself at a new club. How's it been since? Yeah, it's been pretty good, obviously. A bit of a u- unique experience. I spent five years at Hawthorne and loved my time there, but um, sort of the way things had panned out over the last couple of years, I sort of felt like I was stagnating and... I had a contract on the table there, um, but I felt like it was within my best interest and the club's best interest to sort of explore a trade and I'm uh, pretty happy that I got the deal done and uh, really enjoying my time so far at Richmond. Yeah, we'll, we'll focus that on that shortly. Why do you think it didn't work at the Hawks? Because you look at a young team, clearly there's a position for you. Mitch Lewis is a star, but often he was injured and he needed some help, but just 12 games last year and you just weren't able to cement a spot in the best 18. What do you think that was? Yeah, it's obviously pretty frustrating because um, I did show signs. Like, I think a big thing, part of my game is consistency. I do show that I can play um, at and above the level at times, but the biggest thing for me is consistency and I just never found that, I guess. Um, and I've had a couple of different game styles. I've played on the Clark, I've played on the Mitch. Now I've got the opportunity under Ooze. Um, I think just the way sort of I sort of, I guess, read the game and, and, and my strengths sort of suit a bit more of a straight uh, sort of game style. So for the listeners out there, it sort of uh, means taking the contest more often, um, mm. not using, I guess, every angle on the ground, a little bit of angle change and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it was unfortunate it didn't work out there uh, at the Hawks. But um, as I said, really have enjoyed the preseason so far. And we showed some good signs on the weekend against Melbourne. And um, yeah, just really looking forward to getting into the year ahead. That was an amazing 10-goal burst by the Tigers. And you were uh, in and amongst it. It uh, must have given you a fair bit of enthusiasm and encouragement. Yeah, it was good. Obviously, I uh, got off to a little bit of a slow start, um, going down zero goals to five. But... Uh, pretty impressive. We didn't really change too much in terms of our structures and whatnot, uh, but a pretty impressive sort of fight back to stick to our system and uh, sort of kick 10 unanswered goals. Um, so build a lot of belief uh, in the group and uh, particularly in the game style that Ooze is asking us to play. So we're pretty wrapped with that um, and looking forward to sort of hopefully doing it against uh, a pretty good op- opposition in Collingwood uh, in a week's time. How would you describe the game style? And I guess you could broadly break it down to, I mean, Carlton and Melbourne are a contest team. I like to kick it down the line to contest. Collingwood are a ball movement team. And uh, they're probably the two headlines. Do you fit into the contest, which probably Adam Uzo's come from, or is he sort of more gravitating to the ball movement? Uh, Without sort of giving too much away, Probably somewhere in between. Obviously, you want to you want to have control out of your back line, but you want to play with freedom. You don't want to be just kicking long down the line, flat out, or yep. uh, always trying to go around a defence because at the end of the day, the defences in the AFL are just too good. Um, so at the best of times, you're really taking what the oppo give you. And who's has really come in with his game plan that sort of allows individual flair, but also there's, a, 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 I guess, a high element of predictability, particularly going uh, into the forward 50. 
It's a unique combination with you and Noel Bolter, who hasn't played there much. He, he's dabbled with that, but the first hit out was good, as you mentioned. Uh, and then there's Tom Lynch in the background, hoping to return at some point. How do you see each of you fitting in? Yeah, it's a a, a pretty good problem, I guess, to have. Um, I guess the first and foremost and the most important thing for me um, is playing good, consistent football. Um, and I'm open to any role. I, I obviously played a little bit of second ruck at, at the Hawks and, and Noah's done it as well. So um, both of us are, are more than capable, I guess, and um, happy enough to take that second ruck role should it uh, mean that we can fit the three of us into the side. I think it's a, uh, a pretty dangerous sort of look with those two big boys uh, getting it done and it allows me to sort of um, hit up at the footy a bit more, which is my strength coming through the line of the footy as well. So... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a dangerous sort of combination. And I guess if we're all playing good footy, then there's no reason why we can't all be out there on the same, just, on the same side. Just let me butt in for a tick. Uh, New Zealand are giving Australia a nice old spanking. They were uh, one for 147. And every second okay, ball seems to be going into the grandstand at this stage. I'll give you more <laughs> when they uh, flash the scores back up. But can I ask you about that uh, issue? I mean, I, I can see why everybody wants to play with with uh, three forwards, one of them uh, potentially being the, the backup second ruckman. But do you think the AFL have missed the beat here, uh, given that, you know, we're always competing with basketball for tall players by not going to five-man interchange rather than four in the sub? Yeah, I can see the rationale for it. I guess as a, as a key position player where you're not always, your role's not always determined by statistics and at times... You do tend, you, if you look at the trends of the game, you do see a lot, probably a lot more keys subbed out of the game. So I guess it's good for us if it's a five, uh, yep. five man interchange bench. But um, look, I think the amount of rule changes that we have had previously, I, I, personally, I don't really feel the need to tinker with anything at the moment. Um, I think that uh, the teams are good enough and the midfields are good enough to sort of, I guess, uh, cater to having the one ruck um, and sometimes two rucks, but um, yeah, I, I can see points for both. Do you suspect most teams will play faster and want to move the ball quicker and score more? I mean, we've seen a little taste of that just in today's hit out. Similarly with, with you and Melbourne and, and most players or coaches we've spoken to throughout the preseason, that's been a message. Now the fans will love to hear that and that's all well and good when everyone's fresh the first four or five rounds of the season and the weather's good, it becomes a bit more problematic when the weather gets a bit more average. But is that the goal, do you think, across the board? Yeah, I think so. Um, particularly, you see in sports like basketball and whatnot, where yeah. they say offense is the best form of defense. Um, putting a, You're not going to win a game by um, sitting back and clogging up a, a, a forward 50. Um, so by putting a score on the board, it certainly puts, I guess, perceived pressure, at least on the opposition. Um and as you said, Kane, weather plays an element, but also game plans are evolving. Like what you start with at the start of the year is certainly not the finished product by the end of it. Um, there's always changes. Teams are getting scouted. Uh, the more you play, the harder it is to score because you've got more, I guess, vision for the opposition to watch and they're doing opposition um, analysis um, on all players and all, all team systems. So it certainly gets a lot harder towards that middle part of the year, but um, I guess as a forward, it's always uh, music to your ears when you start. When you hear coaches say, "We want to mm. score, we want to play with an element of freedom." Well, music to your ears. I ran a set the share and free campaign for about uh, twelve years when the game got bogged down in total defence, and we were applauding eight goals to seven goals as if it was uh, the wonders of the the the, the, uh, the new world. But 
How do we get to that point, uh, Cosy? if, in fact, what you're saying is true? Just coaches gone mad or uh, not? No. Nah. Well, as I said, everything's got an array of elements to it, but the old defensive systems and the floodback mechanism, I think the biggest thing that's really changed is that 6-6-6 starting position, yep. particularly from centre bounce, like, Yep. It really, if you can get ruck ascendancy and clearance ascendancy, then the game is really won in that sort of area. Like, if you can get scores from stoppage is a, is a massive stat in the game. And um, if you can dominate that, more more often than not, you're going to win the game. Um, so that, that's that been a good start. And obviously, there's still a little couple of things to tinker with. But as a player, I said, you always get a little bit frustrated by the constant rule changes. So it's been pretty... Pretty good this off season um, with little to none, uh, well, no sort of uh, rule change. So following on from that, is is that one of the reasons you think that Dustin Martin will look to spend more time back on ball? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like he's obviously has been for such a long time a, a premier midfielder of the competition, and I think I saw something the other day that he was one of the highest ranked general forwards when he played forward. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. By you've got the double spread of him, so it's the old age-old question: where do you play him? But I think um, when you've got the advantage of a six-six-six rule um, and there's space around, why wouldn't you put your best players in space? Mm. Just moving on, Australia are absolutely getting pantsed here. One for 168 of 15.2 uh, overs. Um, Ravindra is on 62, Kane and. Uh, Jacob and uh, Conway is on 63. There's been a lot of sixes uh, hit here. Can, can I ask you about one of my great bugbears, and that is the push in the back rule that's changed a lot probably since you were playing or may have changed just before you came in where you couldn't put the hands in the back at all. D- do you do you take the back position or would you rather take the back position because you know you can get pushed out or do you still maintain the front position and just hope you've got an umpire who's read the rule book? Yeah, you can hope, but more often than not, it probably doesn't go your way. Um, I guess, like I said before, with the defence, it's, it's pretty much what the defence give you. So someone like a Stephen May is going to sit out in front of you, yep. try and read the play, um, where someone like a Sam Collins from the Gold Coast, sort of a back shoulder defender and, and quite strong. So um, I guess as players, we sort of try and learn little tricks of the trade, but certainly... From a defender's point of view, the back position has always been the dominant position because you can dictate, get under the armpit, get a knee in behind them and whatnot. So um, on slower plays, getting behind is probably the most dangerous position. But as a forward, you always want to play in front because um, a scrambly kick from a stoppage, more often than not, they land 25 to 40 metres. So playing in front certainly serves you best from a stoppage and then in live play because then you can hit up at the footy. But in a slower play where there's... Uh, been a free kick or a mark and it's been delay on the footy um, most forwards are probably encouraged to get on the move try and get in behind because that's more the dominant position mm. in the contest and is it easier or harder now that defense is zone so I mean you could probably have six different opponents probably that may be an exaggeration but let's say three or four different opponents through one game of football and when you think you've got your man beaten someone else probably comes over the top to help does that make it harder to get a kick than what it once was one-on-one it does. Um, I think you'll probably find that most defences are roll around, particularly on fast plays. So your man might take off and go press another man in front of you and you think you're in space, so you actually yeah. hold. But from behind the goal's sort of angle, which most fans don't really get to see too often, uh, most teams will generate their spare behind the football off the winger. 
and they do press down um, quite hard, uh, which allows that defender behind you, who might have been playing, he's sort of that medium, sort of rangy uh, defender, which allows him to drop off. And then when you think you're free and you're sort of like holding to protect your space, you get sort of creamed from behind without really expecting it. So mm. at times it does, but uh, with the amount of technology we have these days, you can sort of see, and you go into a game knowing what defenses are going to do. So um, at the end of the day, you sort of got to try and play it pretty smart and try and tease it out. And I guess uh, we sort of have a term of sort of getting lost between the cracks, like how best can you commit a defender um, and cause hesitancy? Yeah. So maybe force them to not press the ball or not run as hard. So it's about sort of trying to get him and flip between the cracks. That's the music, mate. They're winding us up. Hey, appreciate your time. We've done this for longer. Yeah. Good luck. We, we hope it really goes well for you and the club. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, boys. Richmond's newest recruit, Jacob Kaczynski. You're listening to Sports Day. Thanks for your company tonight on Sports Day. If you're with us, Jacob Kaczynski, the new Hawthorne key forward, has joined us. If you missed that, you can catch up on the podcast. But as we've been discussing regularly over the last 12 months, the issue regarding the new team in Tassie is coming to a head. It is Sports Day and the headlines have been brought to us by the Spirit of Tassie. Conveniently, unwind as you wander and set sail with the Spirit of Tasmania from $69.00. Conditions apply to tell us about it, and he's been keeping us across this for a good two years. Is our man on the street, SEN Tazzy's very own breakfast host, is Brent Costello. Brent, thanks for joining us on Sports Day again. Nice to talk to you, Kane and Jared. As well, we heard the from the spirit Jared, of Tazzy before we go, uh, Kane, it's got a hell of a lot riding on this <laughs> because just imagine the amount of people that are going to jump on the spirit of Tazzy if, in fact, the devils are up and about. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, w- it will be huge, mate. We, we caught up uh, late last year, and there was a lot of hype around it. I drove past where the new stadium was going to be built. I was sold, uh, Brendan. I was like, this is going to be unbelievable. The optimism in the room that we're at at the function was palpable. But now, once again, we're at a roadblock. And as Jared mentioned off the top with his editorial, unless the AFL blinks, the Tassie Devils are dead. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, a little bit. We're in the middle of a state election campaign at the moment. So obviously the Liberal government are the ones in power at the moment. They've been the ones pushing the stadium with the Premier Jeremy Rockliffe, uh, Rebecca White and the Labor opposition uh, are the ones trying to come into power and and they're the ones against the stadium. So uh, it all comes down to what's going to happen on on March 23rd, really. But uh, yeah, Rebecca White's message is they will renegotiate this deal with the AFL when the AFL doesn't want to renegotiate it at all. They're, They're pretty firm in the fact they've got a deal in place with the state government that that's for a roof 23,000-seat stadium at Macquarie Point. That's the the deal the clubs agreed on as well. So um, I'm not sure how Labor think they're going to renegotiate, but who knows what's going to happen down the track. Uh, Labor look as if they're uh, trying to wedge, get the wedge going and uh, force them into a Launceston and uh, maybe Bell Reeve option uh, once more. But uh, I don't see how that can fly. If you're Andrew Dillon, you you can't be just... uh, walking away from what was a fantastic deal. But uh, it would appear to me that Rocky has also scuppered this deal because $375 million was never, ever going to be the total bill for this. And yet uh, he's gone with a not one red cent more will be spent, which he's killed it off himself. Yeah, it was interesting when he came out and said that. That was pretty much the start of the election campaign. He, he, I guess he didn't want it to become a, yeah. an election problem or headache for him, so he's come out and said that. But... 
Uh, obviously, we've got the federal funding on top of that as well, but it's still going to be a pretty significant shortfall, you think. It's around $750 million to build the stadium with the original forecast, and we know the times we live in now, it's going to be a hell of a lot more than that, over a billion dollars, you would think. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of water to go into the bridge. The, the, the government's message was that they'd try and get some private investment involved. Obviously, that's what they're going to have to do if they're not going to spend any more. The contract actually says the government will be responsible for any cost overrides, um, the way they're getting out of that is that they'll be responsible, but they will get that private uh, investment in. So, um, yeah, so many hurdles, guys, so many questions, so many answers that we need, but uh, unfortunately we're not going to get them for another month or so yet till the election actually uh, finishes. Well, that is an interesting uh, addition that uh, I didn't know about, that they're responsible for overrides. Well, he's, he's actually saying that he's going to provide the private funding. Well, that to me sounds like a bit like the stage three tax cuts, that uh, we're going to sort this out, but uh, we'll come up with a solution when it suits us. Yeah, and so a fair bit of money they're going to have to find as well, isn't it? So, um, as I said, we, we just want some answers, I guess. Uh, there's another a proposal being floating around as well, which is Stadium 2.0. Dean Coleman has been in charge of that. I think you've spoke to him, Kane, uh, on Brecky before, but um, yeah, his proposal got a lot of support down here, but the government's poured cold water on that. They want to stick with their plan from Macquarie Point. The, the one that uh, Dean Coleman was pitching was just a little up the road at Regatta Point, um, but, but they're pretty fixed on, on Macquarie Point, the state government, and that's what is in the contract with the AFL. Mm. So, I mean, there's trouble either, more trouble it sounds like if Labor win, but there's a little bit of trouble if Liberal win. Uh, who is going to win, Brent? What, what are the polls suggesting? Uh, if, if I was a betting man, I'd say the, the Liberals will be, be in with a, a hung parliament, you'd think. So they might need some support from the independents to, to get the majority, I guess. And um, we've got uh, a lot of independents. The, the House of Assembly is actually going from 25 to 35 seats. So we'll see some members of the Jackie Lambie party come in as well, potentially. So there's going to be some wheeling and dealing that's going to have to go on um, once March 23 is done and dusted. So... Um, but I think there is a fair bit of support for the stadium here. The Liberals might be surprised just how many votes they get. That's the feeling I get out on the street. Um, depends who you talk to. Obviously, as I've said to you guys before, I obviously move in sporting circles, so mm. there is a lot of support for the stadium. But, um, yeah, it depends who you ask who's, who's actually in front at the moment, I would have thought. So do you think it gets built? Because the numbers suggest elsewise. Yeah, that's a good question, Jared. As I've said to, to, in many interviews I've done on, on our show as well, like we've just come too far. I'm yeah. actually going to a breakfast with the board tomorrow morning for an update on how everything's going. And um, obviously, Kath McCann's been in, in, input, input as a, uh, an interim CEO. We've got uh, the launch obviously coming up uh, the week of the election on March 18 next month, which will unveil the club colours and the, the jersey and um, a jumper, I should say, and all that sort of thing. So... Uh, it's all moving ahead. The high performance centre location's been been ticked off as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's all this stuff's happening without the the elephant in the room being spoken about, which is the stadium. So um, it just depends how much of this stuff gets being put in place as to how big a, a, a gut wrench you think it's going to be if they whip it away from us in the end as well. Brent Costello is with us, SEN Tassie host, with the latest on the troubles regarding the new team in Tassie forming. So you're heading to a breakfast with the board. What's the key question you want to ask them? Probably what their dealings with Labor has been like, I suppose. I'm, I'm assuming they've, they've had the year of, of Labor. And uh, just to, to find out what their message is, do they feel comfortable with where things sit if they do manage to get in into government? So I think that's the question a lot of the, the people want, want answers to, and that's what we'll mm. try and ask tomorrow. Who will get the blame if 
Labor get in and it doesn't happen? And who will get the blame if Liberal gets in and it doesn't happen? <laughs> uh, well, if, if Labor get in and it doesn't happen, I guess Labor will. Um, if Liberal get in and it doesn't happen... Well, if Liberal get in, it should happen. Um, that's the thing. If, if they can get back in... Um, well, not if, not if he's saying that uh, 375, not one more red cent. I mean, what's, yeah. in, what's in it for the private enterprises unless they're guaranteeing him above, uh, I guess, the cash rate? We've seen promises broken before too, haven't we, Jared? Oh, so only regularly, yeah. And can you, can you go back on your word if you get back in? I don't know. But, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of money they're going to have to find. And, and whether they can find it or not, it's really interesting. Dean Coleman, who I mentioned before, the stadium 2.0, he reckons he had investors ready to go. Yep. Um, so whether the government can find their own, we'll have to wait and see. And whether the AFL stump up some extra money after being so steadfast in their messaging. And once again, Andrew Dillon fronted the media today and he was asked about the situation in Tassie. The Tasmanian footy club, you know, now led by Grant O'Brien and Kath McCann with Jack Revolt are doing a power of work down in Tasmania. We got a big announcement in the middle of March in relation to the club nickname and the club colours. The licence that was granted by the AFL Commission back in May last year, announced on the 3rd of May, uh, was really clear, based on a really robust business case that the Tasmanian footy task force had put forward. And that business case rested on and was really what, a key part of that business case and a key part of the um, approval given by the AFL Commission and then signed off by the 18 AFL clubs was a stadium at Macquarie Point with a roof that held at least 23,000 people. That's the agreement that we have with the Tasmanian government and that's the agreement that the AFL Commission has and what the 18 AFL clubs have. And they've been consistent with that, Brent and Jared. I have, yeah. I haven't wavered from that at all. Uh, Andrew Dillon in front of the parliamentary inquiry last year and was really adamant that that's the way it was. And, and don't forget, guys, it took a while to get to that point, didn't it, with mm. the clubs? It took a lot of um, negotiation to get to that without trying to make it anything less. So Yeah, plenty um, of hardheads yeah. uh, that took a lot of convincing. In fact, probably I could yep. name you four that aren't convinced and uh, wouldn't be surprised yep. if it fell over. I guess the, the point of my question about uh, if Labor get in and it falls over, who will they blame? I'm wondering, will your average Taswegian, will they blame the AFL or will they blame the Labor government? I think they blame the Labor government. I mean, as as we've said before, too, we're the ones that came knocking on the door wanting to get into the competition. The yeah. AFL didn't come knocking to us. So we have to abide by some of these things that the AFL want, surely, if, if we've come to ask yeah. to join the party. So, um, yeah, that's my take on it. I mean, some people would say it's not a good deal for Tasmania, but... I've always said, look at the benefits as well. You've got to spend money to make money, don't you? So um, we've seen those, these inner city stadiums do so well around the country and around the world, and I can just see what it could do for Hobart. So Who's um, going to be the first yeah, coach? First coach? Yep. Oh, gee. Maybe, maybe Chris Fagan. How old Chris Fagan be by the time we oh, he's 66. 66 yeah, 62 now, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, yeah. He's, a, he's a long shot. Uh, you get, who, who would you like if you, if you had to name the coach? Oh, gee, well, Alistair Clarkson spent a fair bit of time here, didn't he? So he'd, he'd slide in nicely, probably, Clark, after his time at North and might time in well. Um, mm. I'd like to see Brendan Bolton get another crack, to be honest, guys. I, I think he, he would have learned a lot from his time as uh, senior coach first time round. He's been in a good environment at Collingwood, yeah. obviously. He's moving into time. administration, though, so uh, we're going to knock yeah. him on the head. Do they have to have a Tassie connection? Could could Sam Sounds Mitchell? Like Sam Mitchell would be a good get after he spent... Yeah. I don't know, four or five years building the Hawks up the ladder. 
I don't, yeah, I don't think I don't think it necessarily means have a Tassie connection. It'd be nice, nice fairy tale story. But look what Scott Ross's done. He's coming with the Jack Jumpers and taking mm. us to a final series every year since we started. So yeah. it just goes to show sometimes you've got to think outside the square and get someone else. Well, what choose. else is happening? What else is happening down there before we let you go? The, the Jack Jumpers qualified for the the NBL playoffs again. Are they a good shot? They are. They're set up beautifully, actually, Kane. I reckon we've got the ability to go all the way this year. I really do. Really? Uh, we've got no real injury concerns. We've got uh, the home 3v4 final coming up on Wednesday night. If we win that, we're into the semi-final series against the Wildcats, who probably don't trouble us. Too, well, they trouble us, but not. we don't not scared of them, if, that, if mm. I put it that way. We've had some good success over in Perth before. We knocked them off here last weekend, albeit with them without Bryce Cotton. But uh, no, I think we're all set up beautifully. Without trying to jinx us, um, we're looking pretty good. All right, mate. Well, thanks for the update. And no doubt there's a lot more to play out and you'll be all over it. You'll be our go-to as you have been. And Jared reckons we've made you, Brent. We, we, we put you on the map and now you're doing all sorts of interviews. You're a media star in your own right and he doesn't reckon we get the thanks that we deserve. Thank you, Jared, for everything. <laughs> Good right. on you, mate. Doing a, doing a magnificent I job. I remember Maddie. when you were just carrying uh, <laughs> Gutsy's bags. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brent Costello there. You can catch him on the SEN app, uh, SEN Tassie as well, with Tim Payne doing a very, very good job. And just on those NBL playoffs, Bryce Cotton, the four-time NBL MVP, is going to join us tomorrow night. Oh, Jared, this is an interview I've been chasing yeah, for a long, yeah. long time. I've watched him live a couple of times, yeah. and I'm not sure there's an Australian athlete, someone who's playing in Australian sport, that works as hard as what he does. Jeez. His work rate is extraordinary, Jeez. never comes off for a rest. Jeez, Dwayne's not going to be happy. Yeah, Dwayne will be flying. We, we, we got him. Bryce Cotton to join us tomorrow. Look forward uh, to that one. The four time you're listening to Sports Day, it's all for Kia, the new refined seven seat Kia Sorrento. And for Maccas, the McNugget buddies are back at Maccas. What do you reckon? Are you confident this team in Tassie is going to get up? Let us know via the temper text 0433981116. And text coming through just suggesting that uh, Andrew Gaze won't be happy that we got him either, considering no. the. MVP award is named after Gazy, right. and we got him. Yep, that's how good we're going. Well, he's, uh, the producer's off to a new, uh, off to a great start. To, uh, new, new producer, uh, off to a flying start. We'll be back with more Sports Day after this. Chop that, Lawrence. You're listening to Sports Day. Now on Sports Day, a sports update for Tire Power, Australia's biggest independent tire retailer. Time now for the Thai Power Sports Update. We touched on this earlier on in the program at Collingwood and North Melbourne met in an interesting practice game uh, today at the AIA Centre. It was a both teams' first hit out against genuine opposition today. And North Melbourne were pretty good, Jared, as yeah, we like discussed. Yep. They prevailed comfortably, beating the reigning Premier 68 to 102. What I did notice is that they definitely got to focus on moving the ball faster. No doubt. Taking a few more risks through the middle of the ground. And yep, that might open them up if they turn the ball over shallow at the yeah. top of their forward 50, which happened a couple of times early. But it's a better style to play. Yeah. They've now got some genuine leg speed, some good ball movers off half-back. Their, their back line is clearly undersized, and they'll get found out from time to time. But I think they win probably seven to eight games this year, North. I'd be surprised if they don't uh, sort of approach that level. I thought Nguyen looked okay. Yeah, he did. Solid. He's... Uh... I mean, he's he's better than what they got, so he looks like he's got a he's got a future. It may not be all this year, but he looks good. And I did like their run. I mean, they they came out of the half back line. A couple of their high draft picks didn't hit the targets uh, all that yep. often. So that's that's an area that just will improve because they're they're just good kids that uh, would have been a bit toey in their first game. But um, 
competitive. That's what I liked about them. They looked like they got a bit of dash and, and up forward the ball came in there a fair bit better than it used to. Yeah, and a bit more depth as well. So, like, Simkin can now go and play across half forward and strengthen the numbers yep. there. If Zerhar looks fit, he's a, he's a good foil for Larky, you know. So, hopefully, Coleman Jones is fit. I love Cherry in the ruck. I he think did, he's going to He thrive. did a couple of nice things, didn't he? Yeah, he's going to thrive with that opportunity. They'll, they'll score heavily from centre bounce, I reckon, with, with Davies, Uniac, and the young on ballers in there, and Cherry, who look good. So, a lot of positives for, for North and for the Pies. I don't think they'll be too disappointed with their hit out with the number of key players. I think only 12 Premiership players fronted up today so they gave some guys some experience but they'll start to strengthen their lineup as we get closer to opening round was mm-hmm. Razor Ray out there? yes Razor Ray one guy fumbled the ball and went to ground and then he got tackled and Razor Ray paid holding the ball now Razor I know it's pre-season but you're better than that mate but on <laughs> a positive saw. you saw that? <laughs> I saw it it's a horrible decision Far too many free kicks paid in tackling uh, situations. I'm, I'm at the point where, why, why are we tackling? You, you're going to face a suspension if you get it wrong. Yep. And the risk of getting your opponent too high or doing something against is going to cause a free kick. You better to corral them now. I'm not sure about tackling. So that's well, that might be another one for another day. Now, the yeah. big story of the last 24 hours, which broke after we departed off air last night, is the Victoria Police is aware of drug tra- trafficking allegations against Joel Smith. That has been alleged by Sport Integrity Australia. They're assessing all the information provided by the integrity body. And SIA has alleged that Smith trafficked or attempted to traffic cocaine. He, of course, has been provisionally suspended since October for testing positive on match day. It is a nightmare situation for North Melbourne, who have dealt with a lot of this already um, for this off-season. Yeah, sorry, for Melbourne, I should say, and, and um, with Clayton Oliver and other issues as well. So there's a fair bit to play out uh, with this one. I don't think Joel Smith ever plays AFL football again if those allegations are proven. Well, he's in trouble anyway, given he's got a, uh, a temporary suspension of two years. That would just about call the uh, curtains on his career. But, I mean, the other one, the definition of trafficking is a bit different in this term than the it one is. that we see on a Y5O. But uh, nevertheless, it's it's... It implicates other players in the club. That's it, yeah. And that's the bigger issue for me. Um, but murky, very murky, and uh, just the sort of start that you don't want for a club. We addressed Sam Walsh's latest setback with Pete Ryan from The Age yesterday. He's got ongoing back issues. The club released a statement today, so he's out of all pre-season competition. We'll wait and see if that recovers before round one. And Jack Martin has got a knee as well. He's racing the clock to be fit for their opener against Brisbane in just over a fortnight, so you expect him not to play. A couple of big players out if they're not playing. Yeah, with Weedering as well. He's got that nasty calf injury. He won't play in opening round either. And Matthew Clark has stepped down as Adelaide's ruck coach to focus solely Solely on coaching the club's women's team. He's done a magnificent job mm. uh, as the AFLW coach since its inception since 2017. A multiple premiership coach. He's relinquished that role in the in men's Sean team. Back? No, they, uh, was it Strawny? I think they came. They, they did announce that it was a, a Sandful player who had won. Yeah, who played some Sandful footy. I think for the footy club. I'll, I'll get his name for you shortly. But you it have wasn't to be a, a ruckman to be a ruck coach. I think so. You do. Yeah, you don't have to be a, a forward to be a forwards coach. No, you don't. No, you, you don't. don't. have to be a backman to be a backman's coach, but uh, they have, they have this sort of uh, sort of horse <laughs> whispering sort of mystique. Yeah, about there's a club. There's like yeah. being a fast bowler. There's a there's a, there's Torbo, a fast Stephen Torbett was the father of the club. 
I mean, no one could hold a jumping bag like Torbo. Uh, Sam Balderstone is the name. Okay. He was a Baldy. sample player for North. Right. No, sorry, Nord, a multiple premiership player for Nord. And just the updated squads for some match sim games yesterday sees Taylor Adams and Joel Hambling. They're not going to play for the Swans. A couple of recruits there. They're playing the Giants yep. tomorrow, while Zach Williams has joined a long list of big names absent for Carlton's game against Geelong. That was your sports update for Tyre Power. Big Brands Better Buyers Sale is now on for the first time in 2024. Ash Brown from the AFL Records is going to join us live in the studio next. You're listening to Sports Day. Thanks for your company on Sports Day. We're doing it all thanks to Nutrient Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Find your local branch at nutrient.com.au. Busy world uh, in the AFL. Plenty of news around Taryn Thomas. Also, Joel Smith, North Melbourne. We've spoken about Max Gorn speaking today, and they continue to back in their club culture. And there was footy on today, which is good news. And joining us now is AFL record editor Ash Brown, live in the studio. Ash, it's good to have you back. Hello, Kane. Good to be back with you. Hello, Jared. Nice to see you again. Is that a change of title, the AFL record editor? Yes, there has been. There's been changing of the guard over summer. Did you get a new office? Yeah, well, we've moved to a different part of the office. So right, okay. Te- technically, yes. So, uh, Looking forward to shaping the record. No wonder we all had Going to take a, pain cut, a pay cut, Kane. <laughs> oh, I know. So what? Tell, tell us about the, the role, Ash, then. Well, it's just putting together the magazine on a weekly basis. We've done the pre-season fantasy record is already out that uh, you, you are a part of, Kane. But, uh, yeah, it's just Mickey Lovett, after a very distinguished career, is uh, hanging it up. Well, he's going to come back a couple of days a week to help out, which will be fantastic. But, uh, yeah, chance to step into the big chair and, uh, and you know, it's a brilliant product and does so many things right, but also a chance to tweak a few things and try a few things as well. Okay. So that'll be good. Change of leadership, change of uh, tune. A bit like Woolworth CEO. Let's hope, uh, <laughs> let, let's hope uh, our guest doesn't walk out of a Four Corners interview. What do you think about that uh, interview? I didn't see the interview, but I've, I've seen the rea- reaction. Extraordinary, but to walk out halfway through the interview because you don't, don't like the questions is uh, a reflection on the comms people. I had a look at, at it words. today. I had a look at it today. It was, it was. I don't know. I, I think he went in there with uh, with a, an open heart, and he didn't expect to be stitched up. And uh, when he when he asked for, oh, can you take that one out? I basically said, no, 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 this is a bang. <laughs> this, See you later. Yeah, this but, is too good to, to but use. But a CEO of that stature has got to be better prepared. Sure. Well, you've got to you've know all the things narrows are going to be coming your way, Kane. Yeah, it was amazing, the, the lack of media yeah. training that he had. That, that's what stood out. I thought the Coles CEO, Leah Weckert, I think her name is, handled herself pretty well. And there was nothing you could really poke holes at with her responses. She was calm. She was measured. She'd clearly done media before, but... Old mate Brad, it was like a rabbit in the headlines. Didn't know what he was doing. If, um, and if that, you know the Four Corners wants to talk to you, you, you know you're in trouble. You, you cram and you cram and you prepare and you do every single scenario planning. But it you wasn't can. like he walked out on a live interview. Is my point. It was like this pre-recorded interview. And it's he a bit asked, gray, isn't it? He asked. Yeah. He asked for an edit. Yeah, you're not yeah it's a grey area. Not yeah. About that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, he's gone. Uh, uh, it's good to have you back. Uh, there's it's been a lot be that has Jared. transpired <laughs> since you were with us last time, Ash. Uh, what did you make of the summer of sport? Uh, cricket, we got them. I mean, we didn't have great hopes for the summer of cricket, and we probably didn't get it until that last test. That, uh, that was good fun, wasn't it? Shamar Joseph was fantastic. That last test yeah. against... Uh, that, that, that was the old days, Kane, of the whole country stopping to watch a test match, which we don't have that often, but the country was intrigued by 
that final test. Uh, so it's good for cricket. That's the problem. Oh. I mean, we were talking last night to uh, one of the more esteemed uh, cricket journalists who said we didn't win in every game. We don't want to win every game. Mm. You feast every day, you never feast at all. I mean, this was exciting because we were going to lose, strangely enough. Oh, it was a fantastic result for cricket. It just the, it's just what the, the sport needed. So that saved the summer of cricket from being a sort of pretty much a, a yawn. The tennis was good. Um, we had a, we had a few exchanges, didn't we, Jared, about some of the uh, scheduling. Oh yeah, uh, tennis Australia was ridiculous. You know, matches. You, know, the, the you could argue session. it. You could argue. Yeah, it cost Medvedev the the tournament. Mm. Oh, yeah, he ran out of steam, didn't he? In the, he did. in the final, up two sets. So, yeah. I mean, they try to spin it with the you know two extra sessions on the Sunday, yeah, the no. first Sunday, but that's just nonsense. I mean, at the end of the day, once the first once the first round's in for three days, it's the same schedule as always, pretty much. So. They've got to work out. I, I don't. I think it's foolish to try and have met singles and two, two yeah. singles matches in the evening session. They're going to be caught out more often than they're not. Can I just get this off my chest before we go further? This is more down your uh, your uh, line of thinking, given you're the wordsmith. The prevalence of the term "off of" by American journalists, Jim Courier is the one that stands out, who's an outstanding commentator. But instead of saying "off the racket," it's "off of the racket." And I've actually seen it printed <laughs> off of. It's a, it, and I've actually heard it in American um, TV shows. It's not an Australian sort of affliction, but it's very much an American affliction. Off of the racket, off of the bench. Yeah, I've, well, I've only picked it up a couple of times, Jared, but uh, they, Courier is the preeminent Australian mm. tennis commentator in some ways because he's so ubiquitous through our summer. So. It's become part of the vernacular, a bit like uh, versing has become just uh, mm. part of the I don't of think it it's well. caught on just yet, but uh, let's hope it doesn't. Now I'm going to be all over that. I'm going to. I haven't heard it yet. Off of. And it, oh, I'm sure I've heard it, but yeah. it hasn't sort of struck me like it has you. But now it will. Now that I'm Good. aware of Good. it, I'll be hearing it. Hey, Doc, can I ask you whether Nick Kyrgios cuts through as a tennis commentator? He dabbled in writing a little bit, um, I think it was for The Age and the, the Sydney Herald, and he backed away from one of the col- columns that he had written. Clearly, it was ghost-written, and perhaps he hadn't proofread what was written because he backed away from the retirement talk quicker than it was printed. And then he was doing some commentary as well, which didn't go through the mainstream. But do you think he cuts through as a commentator, Ash? I think he's outstanding. If I was advising Nick Kyrgios, I'd be saying, finish up playing and oh, get started in the commentary. Rubbish. I can't take that it. Is oh, I disagree. Yeah, I just can't take it. Mean, he hasn't won a major. He should have three. I mean, he's not going to win any more majors. So but what's the point? Why? Why does he, he keep could, playing? He could still win one. What? Oh. What does he have? To, does he have any tactical now? Can he take you inside what the players are thinking as it gets tough into a he, fifth set? He, Can he talk about the attrition that's required well, in tennis <laughs> and to go for seven games across two? No, 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 no. He can't. So got, what can he offer? He's got a big serve. And a lot of talent. He's not known for his attrition. I'll give you that card. Oh, however, or his, tacti- or his tactical now. However, I would posit that he is the Pied Piper of tennis, and as this is a sport that's trying to develop itself and grow different markets, and the the young people, as they're called these days, the young Kane, people, the young people love yeah. him, yeah. love him. So I would encourage him if he's not going. He should try. He's got he, plenty he, of time to come. He should have one last crack at Wimbledon. I agree because that is the one, one he can win. He's only twenty-eight. Curious. Yeah, but his body. Sorry, not curious. Um, Djokovic is 38. He's yeah. got 10 years if he mm. wants. I know he doesn't want to, but he's been saying that for a few years. I suspect he's still desperate to win a title. I hope you're right. It would be fantastic if he won one, but I just don't know whether he's got the... Uh, 
I'm not sure whether he's got the mental fortitude to go through what it takes to win a Grand Slam, but he could make a very handy uh, earner for himself in the media. Mm. Uh, the Super Bowl was a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, pretty, as Jared described yesterday, boring first half, average halftime entertainment, and then a thrilling second half and overtime. I thought average halftime was very uh, complimentary for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He, was... said, he said meatloafish to use his exact words. Uh, I actually skipped the halftime show. I did a couple of things, but it was. A great Super Bowl in the end, Carl. I know you're a massive fan, as have I, but the numbers, I mean, I was just going through the numbers today. Channel 7 at 2.7 million, ESPN had 340,000 people. That's at 10 o'clock on 10th on a Monday morning. Mm. So put that into perspective, those numbers, for those that are just hearing the number, put, put it up against the that grand is, final. That is top five, that is top 15, top 20 most watched sporting event in the country for the year. For the, and the, da- in front and of the daytime of a Monday. Yeah, it is. It's an unofficial. I said this before. It's a day off now for any for blokes <laughs> and women now, eighteen to fifty. It's an unofficial or official. So day how off. much is it growing? How much is Americans? Because it's all it's all my kids are into. It's all their mates are well, into. Let me put so it in perspective, Kane. I reckon uh, having done this show for a long time, thirty years ago, it was a. It might have been third hour. Yep. Uh, and now it's probably the opener mm. for the for yeah. the show. And, well, that says it all, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the Kelsey. Taylor Swift factor played into an enormous way. But people just are really getting into the sport. It's a great sport to watch in, to- in time shifting. It's a long sport, but the audience are more sophisticated. There's real groundswell, I think, for the game. I think I mentioned on my segments late last year that uh, Peter King, who's a doyen of NFL writers, has laid out the scenario by which they could play a game in Australia, playing game Brazil to open the, se- in the first weekend of the season in September. And I think that goes well. They can... Australia's next cap off the rank, surely, because the interest is here. So it's, it's now into the main, mainstream sports. I can't believe when I was at the age 30 years ago, being the subs to put three paragraphs of NFL scores <laughs> in the paper to what it's become now. It's quite mm. extraordinary. So in the NFL, have done a super job. They've created a really uh, a sport that's now, I mean, I, it sounds wrong to say, but I mean, it must be challenging the Premier League in terms of interest now in, amongst Australians. What's your mm. expectation for uh, the rugby league experiment in Vegas fascinated by it um, see how it goes I think there'll be a big curiosity factor I mean the stadium works the rectangular field and that's why I could never there's no real place for AFL football here's a question for both of you why wouldn't given that cricket is now making big strides in the United States and they're building a couple of custom made cr- uh, cricket stadiums and they're going to the T20 World Cup is going to have games there why wouldn't the AFL partner with cricket for one ground and put some money into one of these cricket grounds and be converted to, to AFL ready. In America? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think we do what we've done uh, for 200 years and then just <laughs> let cricket build the ovals and then <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll, we'll in. jump on board. Yeah, it's a good right. time for the NRL to be there, though, off the back of this Super Bowl, like the hype that's been there. There'll be a little bit of what's going on and um, the, the party city and the Taylor Swift, all of that. So they'll get to flow on the back of that audience mm. and the timing is pretty good for them. Now, you mentioned your role at uh, the record now, which has changed, but what hasn't changed is your AFL movers and shapers. It is out, 1 to 50. Um, I, I don't know where you want to start with this, Ash. Let's start with number one. Who's got it? normally Jerry's domain to pick this to I haven't had a good look at it this year I've uh, been in Japan when I'm normally uh, uh, assessing your ones to 50s oh Andrew Dillon was number one but the AFL CEO tends to get that mm. uh, position most years um, I went for Paul Marsh at two uh, Laura Kane at three I think football at the AFL has been given a big uh, kick along I think there was a, you know we talked about this before the core business Kane of the AFL some would say neglected 
but Laura Kane's pretty much been able to come in and re and sort of what's rebuild. She done what's she done? Well, she's rebuilt the football department. She's yeah, brought some heavy she actually in. done though yet. Well, I think first getting the right people in. This is the year we'll see what she, when she starts to do things. But she's yeah. put in a pretty strong team. I would have thought around her, even getting people like sort of Joel Selwood and Aaron Phillips into the building. I think will be uh, a benefit for her. Kylie Rogers at four and Patrick Dangerfield, who pretty much can do what he likes in football. I think. He rounds out the top five. Where else do you want to go? You've seen it, Kane. Do you reckon it'll be his last year, Dangerfield? Well, not from Chris Scott's remarks today. It was suggested uh, yesterday that he's, he's flying and there might be, probably squeeze out two more years. But I think, yeah. How old is he now? 33, 34. Yeah, he might be a touch older. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be, I think he might squeeze out two more years. Depending on how Geelong go this year. If, if Geelong really, if they, this is the year they crash and burn that we keep talking about. And they decide to rebuild, maybe that's sort of the end for him. But he's got such a bright future in pretty much whatever he wants to do. Is it hard to narrow it down to 50? Like, or oh, yeah. is it a stretch to. No, get it's, it to it's 50? I mean, I, I usually have a list of about 65, 70 that I start to cull, and some really sort of good people didn't get in. The two that I would like to have got in, uh, well, certainly one that after this went to print would have been Ross Lyon, who didn't get in. But like, given what's happened at St Kilda, I think he does get in. If I was doing the list right now because of uh, his moves to pretty much. Build, you know, the, the club is built around him to such a degree now. And having a glance at it, I must admit, uh, I was surprised that he wouldn't have got in and, and I could pick a 10 that should have not been in ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, if I'm doing it now, that let, once the left lean act went through, I thought, no, that will, if I had my, in my time again, Ross Lowe would have was the Who was the highest place coach? Was it Craig McRae or Chris Scott? Uh, Craig McRae at 11 is the high. I mean, I just, at 11, I just think he's sort of reshaping coaching I mean the way he, his approach to it and then with the Collingwood Premiership and all the story out of last year about you know from grand final day with the birth of his daughter and what have you I just think he's 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 casting coaching in a different lens everyone wants to be like the Premiership coach and they want to ape the Premiership coach it'll be fascinating to see whether more coaches go down that path so the path he's he has mm. taken but it's Chris Scott and John Long might get in because of their seniority and, and mm. what they've done for the game Hardwick. Damien Hardwick he gets in because his role, and we're actually going to write a... That's our round zero cover story, is the dimmer effect for the up Gold Coast. He's got to sell the code more than... He, as much as he's got to coach the team. And that's the part of the role I'm really looking forward to seeing. Is he ready to and willing to be the front man for the Seems game? Seems to be saying all the right things about game development, which I've never heard him say prior. He's never been a big picture talking coach. Um, from he's, my, never, he's never needed to be. He just had to coach. I understand his, that, but yeah. now, uh, now, it, like everything is about the yeah. good of the game. In on the on the Gold Coast. Yeah, I mean, Walsey. It goes back to the time of Walsey at the Bears. He realised you've got to be more than just coaching the team. You've mm. got to be out there front and centre selling the code, and the code's flying up there. The only thing that's not flying until now is the sun. So, <laughs> the Bears. so well, what I have liked about Hardwick though is, and we talked about this during the week, Kane, that he hasn't shied away from expectation mm. he has put it on the line bottom line is we're here to play finals and i've got a i've got a side that's ready to play premiership well i think that's what you get with the experience like just reading the the article that ash just referenced quickly on on chris scott like he, he says if things go well for us we're as good a chance as anyone to win it now yeah. he's not just talking fine not interested in just qualifying for no. finals he wants he doesn't want to rebuild he wants to win another premiership and that's the experience and uh, the standing in the game that Damien Hardwick brings to that footy club. I'm not interested in finishing 10th and spending three years outside the finals and rebuilding. I'm, we're ready to go now. Enough's enough. Like we're, we're in it and I'm in it to win it now. And I think that does lift the group up and go, oh, hang on. Uh, no longer is it just acceptable for us to win 11 games and finish ninth. We're, we're actually in it. 
and our coach means business, like Chris Scott has done, or similar Longmire. Like Longmire wouldn't speak about missing finals if he was asked. His mm. expectation would be to win it. And I think that's the benefit you get with an experienced coach who's been there and done that. It's very much, and I know this wouldn't be um, uh, uh, deliberate, but in some respects, this is putting a hell of a lot of pressure on his game plan. But it is also putting into context what he thinks about the previous game plan, even though he's been mm. he's been quite complimentary of Stuart Jews, saying what he's done for the club and blah, blah, blah. But if, if he thinks he can take a club to finish 12th to essentially be in contention for a flag just by a change of game plan and a change of, you know, some uh, minutiae, mm. then it, it's it's very much, a, I guess, a, a focus on what's gone on. Question for you both, because you've been in the media for a while now. Do you think coaches are they're speaking out more about expectation, aren't they? They used to be the old, we'll see how we go. And, but now, now some are. Some coaches are putting it out there. This is what we're... This is what we expect to do this year. Ken Hinckley's another one. He, he's never been shy in mm. saying this is my ambition for the team this year. Yeah, so some are quite strategic. I think Brad Scott's been really strategic at Essendon over two years now or two pre-seasons where he's not putting any expectation on it at all and he's not talking finals or, or any of that. And other coaches, you're right, Hinckley's done the same. Perhaps he's sort of backed away from being as bold as what he has been in the past, but look, I don't think there's any right or wrong. Like, I'm not critical of Brad for not setting that expectation with what has happened at Essendon, and equally, I really do like it when I see Chris Scott go, okay, they, this guy thinks he can win the whole thing. Like, this must fill your supporters and your players with confidence, the same with Hardwick. So I think I'd lean towards that, um, but I, I think, it, you know, there's different strategies for different clubs and, and where you're at. If you were Hutchie, would you let Jared Waitley uh, leave the core business of his uh, radio career to jump over to Channel 9 to do the Olympics? I would. And why would you what? do that? Because SEN doesn't have the rights to the Olympics. This gets them a foot in the door in the Olympics, in the, in the Olympic facility. And I think it's... Uh, so would you trade for it? Mm. Well, I don't know how, would, how these things work. But, I, I, yeah, I would, uh, I would allow him to do it, I think. I think it's more of a one for Foxtel. Would, would Foxtel let Jared go on a rival... TV network oh, yeah. like Eddie, Eddie Maguire has done. Mm. I think Hutchie would let Jared go, and I think there'd be a trade-off there, and there'd be great coverage that SEM would get from him being there. It would more be would they let Jared go off AFL 360 for three weeks and go on Channel Nine? Mm. Uh, I did predict this last year that uh, Nine would have a crack at yeah, um, Bruce McAvaney, yeah, yes, you know, which you they absolutely did. They clearly did. So, and Jeez, seven... you went out on a limb with that one, though, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> massive prediction. <laughs> Um, the, be- the best I, in the business you got. Tell question. me which which coach is going to be under the most pressure this year. Uh, I would think. Um, um, well, I think Ken Hinckley will be. Adam Simpson certainly will be. Uh, Simon Goodwin, I think, will be now with, with uh, what's coming out of Melbourne. Yep. Longmuir. Longmuir. I quite like Average. Freo. I think they're. I think Freo's uh, to make it to have a very good season. Well, that's uh, the point. If they don't, then all of a sudden you're under the pump. Yeah, mm. they're, they're, pop, they're, I mean, they're the same ones everyone's been speculating about. There are a few that are safe as houses, obviously. Did I, was I right in reading that Matt Hill will call footy on Fox footy this year? In that same article. Um, I heard his name. That, yeah, I read his name. Yeah, I, I think I'm right in saying that. So he's done some games for Channel 7, I think, and certainly some Olympics, but I think Fox still might, might have him. I know they were looking for another ball He calls footy here, but I mean, yep. Fox still needs... More callers for next season when they broadcast every game, the full production for nine games. So they're going to have to bring a couple of fresh mm. calls into the mix. Speaking of uh, blokes and stations having good cracks 
at opposition talent. Um, and clearly, uh, McEvaney, you predicted. And the other one I read there, Ash, was that... Uh, so, clearly, Jack Revolt's going to join Fox Footy. And uh, one of the big wigs at Fox Footy have said that he's the rock star of the group. Is, is, he, is he a rock star? Or are they just going off the back of his singing the killers after the 2017 grand final? What, what do you think his style will be? Will it be analytical, like a, like a King or a Buckley? Um, yeah, what, what, what will he bring? Will it be hard-hitting opinion? I think he might go down the hard-hitting opinion. I've got... I mean, his star rose on the back of the killers. With that, on the grand final night, without question, it's one of the greatest things, one of the greatest career moves anyone's ever done for Jack Rewald on that, after that grand final. I think he'll be... I think he'll be pretty good, actually. I, I think mm. he's a guy... I mean, I've seen glimpses of it in his talking about footy, and he's had to hold, him, had to hold himself back sometimes because he was a player still for Richmond, but I think he'll be all right. I think clear that he's been identified for a couple of years by by Fox as, as a rising star, and uh, they're going to hand him some reins this year. I'm fascinated to see how he goes. Yeah, what's the best time slot for on the couch, Jared? 8.30. Yeah, so 6.30 for AFL 360, so hard up against the news outlets, like in Melbourne, that you would think would be difficult. They'll replay it, of course, that's a benefit of Fox. And then on the couch at 7.30, what, what did you make of those changes? I think it'll be interesting because... And we haven't talked about the TV news wars going. Hound wars might have to come back this year, Joe. Mm. With uh, oh, it's back. It's so, been good. It's been good. so far. Channel Nine might have the. I think yeah. Tom Morris got to a fantastic start. Yeah. But they're going to. They're not going to wait till six after the sports report at six forty-five to drop the big news. So the challenge for Fox Footy will be to react to the breaking news in fifteen minutes. It's going to throw their rundowns. Well, the challenge for Fox is to break some of their own news. Really, I mm. think that. Uh, that's something that they've lost with Tom, uh, or we've lost with Tom, and uh, I'd like to see someone else jump into that role. Yeah, they might need to lean on a few more of the Herald Sun. They've got some good, you know, there's some good reporters at the Herald Sun who they might need to start leaning on a bit more. You know, it's the same stable mm. technically. So that if, if if Tom or Mitch goes with a big story at uh, ten, five past six, which will be the sex say the first or second item on the news, that'll give Fox Footy twenty minutes to react to be all over it for 360 at 6.30. They're looking forward to it. I was talking to Jerry Whiteley about it. I think they're looking forward to seeing how that all goes, but it will put a bit of pressure on them. But also with time shifting, is it 6.30, 7, does that really matter what time the show's on? Yeah, look, I don't know. I mean, for me, I'm only going off, uh, off uh, what, you know, what I did for 25 years or whatever it was. 8.30 seemed to be the prime time. At, although you're always up against really strong opposition on Channel 2 and or ABC uh, not so much on, on streaming services, mm. um, but it's very crowded now. I, I, you know, I'm not sure. Look, they would know. They'd be looking at the numbers, and I think at uh, 6.30, they'll go 6.30, 8.30 for, on, for 3.60, so they get two cracks at it uh, for at least yep. one day of the week. And uh, for one day of the week, they'll go 7.30, 9.30 for on the couch, so they'll be looking for two whacks. Or two licks of the ice cream there, which which used to work. I mean, I'm not sure what the numbers are for those shows anymore, but uh, um, it's it's a very crowded and competitive landscape. If you watch your sport on KO now, which I mean a lot of people do, you just yeah. sit down and watch it after dinner. Yeah. You, when you're ready. When you're yeah, ready to watch it. Exactly. You don't have to watch it live. And I think um, one of the frustrations around Footy Classified has been how late it has been on. I think they may be making a move there as well. Frustrating for me, KO. Yeah, putting it on at... 7.30, I don't think I'm speaking out of school on one of their secondary channels or on nine now, and then leaving it on the main channel in its usual slot, which I think would be would be pretty good for that show as well. I've never really quite understood the concept of the secondary channel at Channel 9. 
I mean, if it's on, if it's on, it's it's like if you if you're like me and you're basically just a pay for view watcher, as I mm. like selecting what I want to watch when I want to watch it. If I'm watching a Channel Nine show, I couldn't care less whether it's on Nine now or yeah. or, or the regulation station. Definitely, that's been our argument for some time. I think the the counter to that is once you leave the main channel, it's hard to get back on the main channel, and there's still some. But that's Channel Nine's that, fault for their with poor yeah. thinking. I mean, they should be trying to promote both channels as main channels. Mm. Ash, we're out of time. We'll do it all again next week. Look forward to it. Ash was with us. Thanks to Mate. 20 bucks off for five months with Mate Internet. You can use the promo code SAVE20 with Mate Internet. This is Sports Day for Kia, the new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento, and for Maccas. The McNugget Buddies are back at Maccas. The Harcourt's open line is for all things real estate. Speak to the experts at Harcourt's, and we'll be back with more Sports Day right after this.